Hello and welcome back to the Broken Orbital MMA Podcast. My name is Jack, I'm your host. This is The Hangover for UFC Austin, Calvin Cater versus Joshua Emmett that happened uh, two nights ago, Saturday night. Uh, a reasonably friendly time for myself, it kicked off at uh, nine o'clock, maybe it's happening actually when, maybe in half time because the Lowe's on fight get called off. Um, but yeah, I, I meant to get the, the, the picks out for this, the, the preview, the, what you call it? The pre-drink show, I don't even know the name of it, and I made it. Um, yeah, I did do the audio for it, um, and I recorded it, and it was all fine. I couldn't do the video, so I didn't do the video. I did the audio, put it up on my podcast thing, site, and it didn't work, so I was quite annoyed about that. Um, it was made to broadcast it to YouTube and Spotify and all them things, and it just never worked. And by the time that I'd kind of figured it out, it was a little late, because it was during the fight card. So, unfortunately, I didn't get that out, which is really annoying. I understand that these are my issues to rectify, so... Moving forward, I'm going to make sure this goes out. Um, this is getting out on Monday sharpish. It's Monday morning just now. I woke up nice and early, so I'm going to do this. Um, I consider doing it on um, on Saturday, actually, because it wasn't that late. And yeah, I had a, had a nap beforehand so I could sit up and watch the UFC. And I was thinking of just doing it like live and raw, but I think you need to let the dust settle sometimes. Um, you know, obviously, it's a crazy night of fights and this can happen. I'm going to talk about the main guard. I'm going to... Try and brush over the prelims. I don't want to keep it too long. I, I do like to ramble on, as you can tell, uh, right off the bat. So, yeah, I'm just going to dive straight into this. Um, you can listen to this on Spotify, on your, any of your favorite podcasting services, Apple, Google, all that good stuff. You can catch a video version of this on YouTube. Um, and, yeah, the socials are on screen if you're watching. If not, at BrokenOrbital underscore on Twitter, at BrokenOrbital MMA on TikTok and Instagram. That's all you need to know. Let's get right into this. So then the main event was... A very, very fantastic fight. Joshua Emma defeats Calvin Cater via split decision. Um, and what an absolute barn burner we got. I think it was exactly... Uh, it wasn't exactly how I thought it was going to go. It was pretty close. But I think we all expected a good fight regardless, right? And we certainly got it. Um, and yeah, I was talking about just there. I didn't quite go exactly how I thought it was going to go. Of course, you know, you're know, you just going to have to take my word for it because I never... Never got to put it up. Um, I didn't pick Joshua Emmett, though. Completely transparent. I had Calvin Gator in this fight. And as I said, it went just a, a little bit differently as to how I thought it was going to go. I knew Josh Emmett was going to come out right off the bat and look to land that massive right hand that he's got and was just going to throw power in pretty much every shot he threw, which he did. Josh Emmett looks for fight enders every single fight. There is no... You know, he's not trying to hide that. He's completely transparent with it. He's trying to shut your legs off. That's what he's going to do. Um, and I knew he was going to do that. I kind of assumed he was going to take the first couple rounds. But I, I, what I did think as well is I think I thought he was going to slow down a little. And I thought Calvin Cater, you know, he's going to come out. He likes to pressure as well. You know, Calvin Cater does his best work when he's um, when he's moving forward. I thought Calvin Cater was going to do that as well. I thought he was going to try and kind of meet him in the middle. Of course, yes, be wary of Emmett's big right hand and in that kind of first round or two, I thought Emmett was going to start off very strongly, which he did. Um, but I, I thought Emmett was going to slow down and really fade away. You know, we've never seen him go five rounds in the UFC. Um, you know, the only time he was scheduled to go five rounds was against Jeremy Stevens, and he lost that one. I thought Cater was going to was going to get the better of him over the, the course of the fight. I thought the five rounds really favoured Cater. I felt he was definitely tough enough to eat some pretty heavy shots from Josh Emmett. Um, and kind of persevere and work his way through the fight. And, you know, he, he did, obviously, of course, he did take some big shots and managed to pull through. And he did get better as the fight went on and he, he won the, the last couple of rounds. But 
I didn't expect Josh Emmett to be in the fight as much as he was when the, the rounds got on. And I think that was what killed it for Calvin Cater. Um, was that, you know, I think just a lack of urgency at times from Cater. Um, I think kind of, I was even sitting watching it and I was thinking, kind of, you know, even in the third round, I was like, right, you know, Calvin Cater's got to really amp up a little um, if he wants to, to really win this fight. Uh, and he did in the championship rounds, you know, round four of that elbow was landing. Um, you know, he was kind of started looking for that a lot more. But I don't think he really had enough um, urgency in the fight, to be honest with you. I think even in those later rounds, I think there was had to be a point where maybe Calvin Keir was going to have to take some risk. You know, he was being very conservative in those first kind of, you know, three rounds. Um, he wasn't doing a lot of forward, pre- you know, there wasn't a lot of forward pressure coming out of him. Um, you know, his guard was up nice and high. We know that, you know, he's a traditional kind of boxer. He's got a traditional boxing guard, but his guard was up nice and high to block those those looping strikes that um, uh, um, the Emmett was landing. And he never really kind of, for me, decided to put the hands down and go into the pocket um, and just, you know, take one to give one. And I think at times in that fight, he really should have been doing that. I think, as, as I said, in those kind of, those later rounds, he did look for bigger strikes. You know, the first three rounds, he was just looking for a jab. And don't get me wrong, the jab is nice and pretty. And it's, you know, he's got one of the best jabs in the game. Those guys, the New England cartel, you know, they know what they're doing. But too little, too late, I think, in terms of Calvin Cater. And just not enough in the end. Um, you know, he won those last two rounds. Round, round four was absolutely his. Um, round five as well. I think he definitely did enough in that one. Um, and then I think in terms of the, the opening three rounds, I think Josh Emma won the first and won the third. And once again, it's round two that seems to be coming down to the point of contention. And I think it's a really difficult round to score. A lot of people talking about how Cater was jabbing his head off. And I get that the jab done some visible damage. You'd seen Josh Emmett's eye was all beaten up. Um, the jab is great and it's effective, but it's an effective cumulative strike. I think I don't think the jab is an immediate, immediately impactful strike. You know, there's not a lot behind it. Um, and I think Josh Emmett, he was doing the damage over the course of the, you know, the whole fight, really. He was throwing everything with 100%. It was, he landed a few nice jabs, but he was throwing wild looping hooks, big looping shots, and the, you know, they were with intention. And listen, you know, we know that the biggest issue with the MMA scoring criteria is probably the fact that the, the criteria is so vague. Um, and I, I think it does come down to, you know, how do you score round two? How do you score what Josh Emmett was throwing? Because... Cater's guard, as I said, was up nice and high and he was, you know, blocking. He was very focused on blocking those big looping shots. Do you score them for Emmett? Because were they really landing? I don't know. It's a really difficult one to consider. Um, but yeah, I gave round two for Josh Emmett because I thought he did more damage. But it was a really close round. The fight was super close. Um, and yeah, I just think Joshua Emmett's damage over the course of the fight, the immediately impactful shots, which are prioritised, came from Josh Emmett. Um, and I think you really need to highlight the body shots as well. They were putting money in the bank. They were fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a main event. As I said, it was super close. It could have went either way. Um, Calvin Cater burst my parlay, my coupon, whatever you call it, my ACA. So thank you, Calvin Cater. Um, <laughs> in terms of what's next for these guys, this is a really difficult one for for both of them, I think. I think for Joshua Emmett, he's in a spot right now where obviously he wants to be cage side for that title fight. And it's pretty hard to try him because I think featherweight... It's calling out, it's crying out desperately for a number one contender. You know, for a guy to really put their stamp on the division and, you know, make it 
you know, to really put their stamp on their contendership status and make it their own. Um, I think for Josh Emmett, I don't hate the idea of him fighting Alexander Volkanovsky if he beats Max Holloway. If Max wins, they're running that back because they can't do anything else. Volk has been so dominant. I know he's only won two fights other than Max, but he's won them in very convincing fashion. He's beaten Max twice already. It's just, you can't do anything else with that if Max wins that. So I fully expect that to happen. I think they will. I think we're going to have Max Volk four if Max can prevail in that fight next month, which I'm super excited for. Um, I don't hate the idea of Josh Emmett getting the title shot. I guess the issue is, you know, who does he fight in order to get one? I think unless you do Arnold Allen, and I... I'm a big Arnold Allen fan. I really like the guy. He's an amazing fighter. His UFC record speaks for itself. But has he really got that like top five win to go, yeah, this guy can fight for the title? I don't think Arnold Allen's got that yet. I think Arnold Allen needs one more. So in this case, I know Josh Emmett took a lot of time off because of his injury. And obviously, you know, I say took a lot of time off. It wasn't his choice. Um, he needed a lot of time off to, to heal. But, I think the momentum that he had kind of, okay, yes, it might have been a little dampened, at, you know, with with the layoff, but he got back to win a ways against Danny Gay when he came back, and now to get this win against Calvin Cater, who, other than Max that Max Holloway fight, you know, he's been great uh, so far in terms of racking up wins, uh, beating Giga Chikadze in his last one, who was a top 10 guy. I think this, to me, felt like a title contender, um, a number one contender match coming into it. Um, so I think Josh Emmett, if Alexander Volkanovsky wins, should fight him. If Max Holloway wins, I'd say Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen probably for the number one, uh, well, definitely for the number one contender spot uh, makes all the sense in the world. For Calvin Cater, um, I think for him next, he's in a weird spot right now. Um, you know, he's in that kind of five to ten range. Bryce Mitchell's a really good one. I think Bryce Mitchell as well. He needs a, a top ten guy for sure. Um, you've got the likes of Mossar Evloev, Ilya Tapuria. But I think in terms of, you know, entertainment value, I don't see them going for a Bryce Mitchell. I think Bryce Mitchell needs to fight a guy in the 5 to 10 range. I think Calvin Cater's just inside that top five right now. Uh, we'll see what the rankings say. I think the one that they're going to do is probably going to be the loser of Brian Ortega and Yaya Rodriguez next month on Long Island. And I don't hate that fight. So I'm going to say that one. I think Cater versus Yaya Rodriguez or Brian Ortega would be a great fight as well. Right, on to the co-main event, and of course, it was meant to be Joe Lauzon and Don Cerrone. I was actually pretty excited for that fight, but it never happened. Joe Lauzon's leg, or his knee, locked into place after me weighed in. Just like, well, you know, what can you do about that? Um, sounds like the UFC are going to be moving on from that, because this fight's kind of cursed now. That's twice they've moved it, twice that it's, um, well, once they've moved it, twice it was meant to happen, and twice that it's fallen through. So they're moving on from that as much as I would love to have seen that fight. I love Joel Lauzon. Uh, I would love to have seen him in the cage, but, you know, I digress. We've got the trailblazer, Kevin Holland, instead. And when he's not patrolling the streets, he's in the cage, the vigilante himself. He took out the Dirty Bird Tim Means and uh, in quite emphatic fashion as well, Kevin Holland. What a, what, uh, what a victory that was for him. Uh, of course, back at 170 now, setting fight there, and he looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, and, and this fight did go pretty much exactly to plan really uh, i'm pretty chuffed with this one i got this one i got this one right enough uh 
yeah, I thought Tim Means, his game plan was going to be to come out here and wrestle with Kevin Holland, but I expected the speed to be the main difference with Kevin Holland, and it was. He was way faster. His hands were way faster. That was the, the main difference between these two. He's just younger, he's a bit more athletic, and he was way quicker. Um, his takedown defense was really good. It held up extremely well. Um, you know, there was obviously some questions about his takedown defense before uh, at 185. I think at 170, though, you know, obviously he's, um, you know, obviously he's, he's fighting against smaller guys, guys who can't overpower him as much as, you know, the likes of Derek Brunson and stuff at 185. I think here, a very solid and a very great guy in Tim Means. And I said, you know, I think Tim Means, other than that, um, that loss to Gregory Rodriguez, um, who of course fought in the card, um, he was on a nice little kind of run. So Tim Means, experienced veteran, on a good run, beating some good names, just a staple of the 170 division, is a really tough fight for anyone. And I kind of kudos to Kevin Holland for, for taking this because Kevin Holland could have fought an easier guy. Kevin Holland could maybe have, you know, I think Kevin Holland could maybe have fought a top 15 guy if he wanted to. You know, I'm pretty sure they would have. Uh, he's, a, he's a big enough name in, in the division. Um, but he took this fight and he didn't really have to is the point I'm trying to make. You know, at least in my opinion, um, and as I said, you know, won an emphatic fashion. Uh, the speed was a difference. Powerful guy. And at 170, as I said, you know, he's not having to fight against these bigger guys. The takedown defense held up really well. Um, you know, absolutely beat the crap out of Tim Means on the feet. Um, rocks him. And then I even had, again, you just got to take my word, for it, my word for it, but I said, Tim Means, when he gets in that head and arm position, he's susceptible to getting choked out. Kevin Holland drops him, grabs a darts, Fantastic victory for him. Um, yeah, what can you do? What a fantastic win for Kevin Holland. I, I'm pretty chuffed with that one. You know, um, Kevin Holland said he wants to fight at 185 and 170 simultaneously, like kind of back-to-back, uh, you know, Hamzat Chimaev style. I don't want to see that. I think Kevin Holland is way more effective at 170. I want to see him sticking around here. He called out Sean Brady. I'm a huge Sean Brady fan. I have since his debut against Court McGee. Um he was one of those guys, I just want to point this out, he was one of those guys where you watch like a, a performance from a debuting guy and I was like, yeah, this guy could be future champ. Uh, Kevin Holland, I don't want to see him in that fight. I don't think he's earned that fight yet, I'm going to be honest. Uh, the fight I would really like to see for Kevin Holland would be Michelle Pereira. I think that would be carnage. That would be absolute fireworks. Make that happen. As for Tim Means, I don't know. It could, you could really put Tim Means against anyone, couldn't you? Like... It's, it's, he's just a gritty, tough veteran. Give him to the next guy who's maybe that kind of, you know, needs that step up in competition. Uh, just off the top of my head, if Ian Gary wins, um, you know, when's he fighting? A couple of weeks' time. If Ian Gary wins that, then maybe you give him that fight. I don't know. That's just an example. But someone like that, you know, someone who needs to fight the next stepping stone, Tim Means is that guy. Um, but yeah, what a victory for Kevin Holland. I was really impressed. Right next up, we had Joaquin Buckley uh, as he defeated... Albert Duraev in phenomenal fashion, of course. Dr. Stoppage going into the third round, but an absolute clinic from Joaquin Buckley. We know, you know, how diverse and creative a striker he can be. Um, and he fought a really, really tough guy in Albert Duraev, a guy who has a game plan where, yeah, he's going to come and try and take you down. Uh, Joaquin Buckley's takedown defense held up extremely well. You can see the stat on the screen there. Two for nine uh, for Albert Duraev. So a very unsuccessful night in terms of the takedown game plan for him. And Joaquin Buckley, listen, there's not much more to it than that. He kept it standing and he beat the other, you know, breaks off of Albert Duraev. There's not much more for me to say other than that, like, in terms of that's what he did. He beat the breaks off him. 
you know, uh, Dryev trying to get the takedown. He couldn't get it. Joaquin Buckley done his thing on the feet. His striking was fantastic. As it, you know, as very diverse, very crisp. His box and his hands looked really good in this one as well. So just a great win for Joaquin Buckley, you know. And um, I think for him, in terms of where he goes next, I think you give him like an entertaining matchup. You know, someone who's going to strike with him. He's fought against a really tough, you know, grappling dominant guy now. Let's give him like a Uriah Hall or something. You know, someone who's going to strike with him. I think that would be a fun fight. That's a good one. Yeah, let, let's do that. Right, okay, we had Damir Ismagulov. He got the nod over Guram uh, Kutaladze. I think I pronounced that correctly. Uh, what a fight this was as well. This was fantastic. A proper mixing of the, the arts on the feet. Uh, just a really high-level technical fight. And to be honest with you, you know, I think we expected it. You know, looking at Guram coming into the UFC, uh, first of all, to fight Demir Ismagulov and Matthijs Gamrot, who we're going to talk about later this week, uh, in your first two UFC fights, like that does not does not get harder than that, really. Like that's like top one percent in terms of how difficult uh, an opening two fight you can get in the UFC for sure. Um, and then of course Demir Ismagulov, he's on a fantastic streak right now. I think he's moved to like twenty four and one or something. What a, an incredible fight this was. Um. Garam hurts him early on in round number one. Uh, I think clear as day round for Garam. Uh, round number two, Demir Ishmagulov as well. I think he won that too. And then round number three, this is the difficult one. So difficult to score. I think it was really close on the feet. Um, you know, I think Garam as well, you know, he tried to take it to the ground quite a lot. And in that final round as well, maybe, you know, does, obviously that doesn't necessarily score. Um, or it shouldn't really, but in terms of like for the judges, you know, are they thinking about that? Not that they should be, but I think we've seen before that sometimes the judges aren't thinking about what they're meant to be. Um, I think 30-27 for Demir. Given Demir the first round, to me, was kind of mental. Um, I think Guram should have won the first round for sure, so I don't know. That scorecard, I think it was Chris Lee. What? Uh, and then obviously, yeah, round three was the, the deciding round. I have no issues with it going either way. I really don't. Personally, I gave it slightly for Damir, and I know that's probably going to... like Because uh, Twitter is going mental about this one. This one's for Garam, apparently. Like Round 3 was definitely his. I think Round 3 was really razor thin. I had no issues with it going either way. I thought it was really close on the feet. Um, but yeah, what a, an incredible high-level fight um, for these two guys. Like Just incredible. Um, in terms of the next fights, I think for, for Garam... We give him, he's naturally going to get a step down anyway, just because he's coming at the UFC now and he's he's going to. So as I said, naturally he's going to get a step down in competition, which let's be real, he should be getting because, um, you know, he's lost here. Uh, and I know he's going to be beaten by some very, very good fighters, but yeah, he's going to get a step down. Uh, for Damir Ishmagulov, I think the loser of next weekend's fight between Matos Gamera and Aman Suzuki makes a lot of sense for him. You know, Damir's come in and he's beat, well, he's beat uh, Joel Alvarez, he's beat uh, Tiago Moises, and now he's beat Garam. This guy's beaten some of the top up-and-comers and, you know, some guys that are kind of hanging around that, that, you know, on the border of the rankings at, at lightweight. I think a, a fight against the loser of next weekend's main event makes a lot of sense. I think the winner will jump up into the top 10. But yeah, for the loser, another high-level technical fight that will be if he gets one of them. Um, but yeah, what a fight that was. I was very happy with this fight at the weekend. Okay, then on to the next fight. And just before I, I say this, I think I've just realised something. I'm pretty sure when I was talking about Tim Means, I said he got beat by Gregory Rodriguez. Um, 
it was Daniel Rodriguez, D-Rod, obviously. Uh, it wasn't Gregory Rodriguez. So, yeah, that was a brain fart on my part. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I got that. I, I mixed these two guys' names up quite a bit. But it was Gregory Rodriguez who fought Julian Marquez, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and he got the win in this one. And also, just like Kevin Holland did, in pretty emphatic fashion, um, he got like three knockdowns in this one. And I actually seen a, a, like a clip on Twitter. It was a compilation of like the knockdowns in this card. This card was mental. Uh, <laughs> you know there's a lot of knockdowns when they're making a compilation video of them. Um, but yeah, he blasted Julian Marquez in the first round. There's not really much else to say other than that. Uh, Marquez was super tough. And every time he was getting teed off on, he was just kind of loading up and firing right back. Uh, you know, but... Gregory Rodriguez was on a different level. Uh, has, he packed his shots really nicely. He was more technical. He found his range really well. Just started off really strongly. Um, Harder early on and, and, you know, never looked back. He just kept kept piling on. Uh, as I said, he was just kind of moving really nicely at a good pace, making sure that he wasn't getting too overzealous um, and eventually found the finish. What a performance from, uh, from Gregory Rodriguez. You know, he's absolutely now a guy who is moving up the rankings and is right on the cusp of the top 15, I think, in my opinion. So, so I think for Gregory Rodriguez next, I'd like to see him maybe fight like an Anthony Hernandez, someone like that. Maybe, um, who's the guy that just hit me off, Gerald Mearshaw? I've forgotten his name. Um, uh, Mahmoud Muradov, that was it. One of those two guys, I'd like to see those two, uh, perhaps fight Gregory Rodriguez next. But yeah, he's making waves now, of course. He dropped his last one, um, to Petrosian, but back on the horse. And yeah, I think he's still a real problem at 185. And finally then, to wrap up the main card, we had the Texas native uh, Adrian Yanez. He defeated Tony Kelly in the first round and uh, just a classic Adrian Yanez performance now that we are becoming pretty familiar with. Um, yeah, his hands are fantastic. Adrian Yanez is a problem at Bantamweight and, okay, he's not really fought that. I don't think he's got that amazing, great win yet. You know, not necessarily a top 15 guy, I mean, but just someone who's kind of who, you know, we look at and think, right, okay, this guy's going to give him problems. Because I think he was one of the biggest favourites, if not the biggest favourite on the card for this one. Um, and you could see why. Tony Kelly done had some decent work uh, throughout the fight, but it was all Adrian Yanez, really. His combinations are great. Ripping those hooks, I love um, Adrian Yanez's hooks. I think they're fantastic, you know, ripping those shots in. Uh, he looked great. He looked fantastic. And he's deceivingly, like, he's very, sorry, his power's very deceptive, Right. Um, I think sometimes it doesn't look like Adrian Yanez is hitting you with a lot, but he is. His technique is so good. Um, you know, his timing is so great. Uh, and he picks his shots so nicely that he doesn't necessarily need to throw with like 100% intent behind his shots. Um, you know, adds up, you know, timing beats power, precision beats speed, right? And if you're a good boxer, then you can, you know, you can make those shots. You can make those shots hit hard without necessarily trying to really hit hard if you get what I mean. But yeah, phenomenal performance from Adrian Yanez, really. What, it, what else do you say? Um, and, you know, he's just fantastic. Um, next for Yanez then, like, Bantamweight is so tough that he's he's on the cusp of the top 15, but he's not quite there yet. I think he needs a win to kind of vault him into that spot, to catapult him there. I like Kyler Phillips, uh, to be honest with you. That's probably the fight I would do for him. Kyler Phillips as well is a bit more well-rounded. He's a very good grappler. Someone who can maybe give Adrian Yanez some problems in those areas, but generally speaking, Adrian Yanez is really one to watch out for, and whoever he fights next, 
it's going to be a scrap. But yeah, I think it's quite fun as well because when you do get to that kind of portion of guys who are just outside the top 15 at Bantamweight, there is a lot of grapplers in there. So I think whoever he fights next, it's probably going to be a grappler, someone who can hopefully really test them um, and we can see the best of Adrian Nunez. But yeah, what a performance. Fantastic. You're right then, uh, post-edit Jack here. And I've just realised that I forgot to export <laughs> the prelims. Um, I was just talking about, you know, the things we already know. Natalia Silva's dominant win over Jasmine Jastavicius. I was talking about um, <laughs> Ricardo Ramos' incredible knockout. Nothing new. I, I didn't spend too much time on them. I just pre uh, swept over them for a couple of minutes. I apologise on my part there for that. Um, but yeah, as I said, there's nothing that you don't really know here. So I'm just here to record an outro, basically. Um, but thank you for listening or watching whatever um, you chose to do. Again, you can subscribe on this YouTube channel if you're watching here. You can follow us on Spotify or Google or Apple Podcasts. Um, and yeah, comment in the comments, you know, what did you think of, of the main event? Did you think that Josh Emmett won? Did you think Calvin Cater won? Uh, go ahead and tweet us at brokenorbital underscore. Go ahead and follow on Instagram and TikTok at brokenorbitalmma. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Jack Buchanan MMA. But that has been it for me. I will see you this week for a UFC pre-drinks, Sarukian versus Gamrot, which is coming out on either Tuesday or Wednesday. And I'll see you on Wednesday or Thursday for a Cage Warriors preview. Cage Warriors Belfast 141 in uh, Belfast with Reese McKee and Justin Berlinson is a main event for the vacant, uh, vacant welterweight title. I'm very excited. But yes, thank you for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.